Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I am excited today to talk here with Chris Weber from Beaconship. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing excellent. How are you, Josh? Hey, man, I'm fantastic. Uh, so, Chris, uh, let's uh, give the people a little idea of who you are and what you do. What is Beaconship and what the heck is it all about? Sure thing. Yeah. So uh, Beaconship is a consulting, uh, I guess I'll call it group. I have a one more partner with me now. Um, so basically, uh, back in early 2010, I, I dove head deep into the group fitness boutique studio space. And um, Beaconship is the, now the hybrid consulting group that exclusively services this space uh, for customers all over North America. Fantastic. And so when you, we, we all, you know, the name of my company is Clinic Gym Hybrid, but when you're talking about the hybrid consulting group, um, give our listeners some idea of what that kind of, uh, what that word means to you. Cause people always ask me, what are you talking about? Electric cars? I'm like, no man, something way better than that. <laughs> sure thing. So, um, you know, when, when we think about consulting, sometimes they handle different legs of the, uh, all the moving pieces to a business. So, um, for Beaconship, we're, we're 100% engaged with the fitness space. We're looking at everything from marketing plans, pre-marketing plans to sales and operations and even recruitment of specific people who will be staffing your studios as well. So um, we, we kind of have learned over the last uh, eight to 10 years here what works and what doesn't work. We've launched some massive brands um, you know, with different investment groups, such as Title Boxing Club. Uh, we've done some work with Orange Theories. We, we've worked with Club Pilates as well. And uh, we just kind of saw what was working for these huge brands. And we put up our own systems and processes. And uh, now we coach people on this information. I love it, man. I love it because you, uh, you just talked about like the areas that I, I hope everybody was lifting, listening to what Chris said there. Cause he said, we help with sales and marketing. So, you know, actually making money in this business. And then we actually help with recruiting and hiring, which is the other way for once the money's coming in from sales and marketing, essentially what you're saying is start hiring people so you can get time back. So not only will you have a business that makes money, but you'll also have time back in your life, which uh, a lot of people listening to this podcast, I'm sure are going, Oh my God, that sounds like Nirvana. I can't, I can't imagine having a life with money and time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it, you know, it really is all about the, the right operations, the right people and the right guidance. So we might get bits and pieces of it from all these different um, podcasts that we listen to, which is awesome because we get this foundational education, but then, you know, what do you do with that? How do you make it all work? Yeah. I, I mean, tying it all together and, you know, what we're talking about is tying a clinic onto that gym. Uh, which is another layer of complexity, but uh, you know, a lot of that complexity goes away when you have consistent marketing, bringing in consistent clients and, and you're not playing the scrambling game. At least in my mind, man, that, that was the killer for us is when we were trying to scramble to get new sales. It was, it seemed like all the stresses of the business multiplied by 20. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what, you know, one of the methodologies that we like to deploy is um, when you're, when you're considering adding a new model, especially a, a fitness model to your business. Um, part of the, the beauty of this business is having a monthly recurring revenue from your membership base. So um, there's definitely a, a, a science behind how you get to that. It's, it's not rocket science, but you got to take certain steps to, to build this so that, um, you know, you can launch successfully and, and not be scrambling for the money later on. Yeah. I, you know, we talked just before this podcast and I told you that one of the biggest moments in my kind of business life was when the recurring membership revenue matched the rent for the, the building. That was like a light bulb moment. Like, oh my God, it's possible. Because when, when you're guaranteed that your rent is paid that month through recurring revenue, that is a, uh, that gives you the warm fuzzies more than, than anything else that you've ever experienced in business. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, any guaranteed revenue is a, is a different life. Well, well, Chris, the reason I wanted you on here is, um, you know, we are talking mostly to chiropractors and some physical therapists and whatnot, and they're, most of them are operating a successful clinic already, and we're encouraging them to add a gym, uh, you know, serve their clients at a higher level, provide a better level of care, and then from the business perspective, add that upsell into something that has recurring revenue. So I think that jives all with you. But I heard you talk about, uh, on another interview, talk all about the kind of launch or the pre-launch of a, um, of a gym. So I know you got some expertise there. Would you be willing to share it with us today? Yeah, I'd love to. All right. Now, just so people know that you're an expert, uh, can you go back and, and talk about that um, uh, the first fitness company that you went through the pre-launch and launch with, so they hear it. And then the second, that was a little bit, just a, just a tiny bit larger. Uh, can you give them that story real quick? So they, they know you're a credible expert as they say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, let, let's start way back with a recurring revenue model when I was in high school, actually. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I started washing cars in the neighborhood back in the way back in the day and uh, realized that Everybody wants their car washed, you know, once a week, maybe twice a month or, you know, something, something to that nature. So all of a sudden it wasn't just doing a car wash here and there for 20 bucks. It was like a hundred bucks a month. And, um, you know, from there, I, I really went hard on that. I started getting uh, different dealerships involved and, and washing the whole lot and doing some detailing jobs. And I built a recurring, you know, monthly recurring revenue model before I even thought about what that meant in the fitness space. Um, 2009 hit and uh, I realized I didn't want to be in that business anymore. So uh, I built up small corporate training and uh, went to different corporations in my neighborhood here and essentially said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're doing small group fitness. A lot of people bit and then it turned into some healthcare screening and assessments as well. And, um, you know, that was just straight street marketing, walk in, this is who I am, this is what I do. And it started to grow. Um, and you know, that later led on to me getting contacted by an investment group who said, Hey, we just bought, uh, this franchise here and, uh, we've actually never sold a fitness membership. So I said, well, you know, what is it? I, I didn't know who it was. And they said, it's title boxing club. I said, Oh, that's really cool. And they said, Hey, can you, do you want to join our team basically and help us launch the first title boxing clubs in the Atlanta market? I said, I'd love to. So from there, we, uh, we launched two uh, in relatively quickly, quickly amount of time, went to franchise training, learned a little bit about, um, you know, all the ins and outs of what it means to bring a new brand to market and mm -hmm. uh, kick those off. We had some nice. success. 
And um, after that, got broke right into consulting, actually. Um, you know, people said, hey, how, how were you able to do that? You know, what, what do you do with this? What's your sales process? How, do you, how are you marketing these things? So once you get, get up and going and you learn how to kind of capitalize on community marketing, and this is pre-digital marketing, by the way. This is like 2011, 2012. This is like um, sticking the signs in the lawns of your neighbors, right? Like this is oh, yeah. old school stuff. <laughs> Almost, yeah, yeah. Getting in trouble with the city because you have the banner on the street when you're not supposed to. Door hangers. I'm, I, yeah. you got, I'm guessing you did door hangers and things, uh, free workout cards under the windshield wipers. Like, Yep. Yep. Just basically blanketing parking lots. Anything goes at that point. Right. Um, but the main, the main thing was, is getting the brand out. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different tactics, uh, especially in the guerrilla marketing sense that you could do getting involved with the right community groups, um, you know, learning how to leverage your chamber of commerce, things like this. This is not secret information really, but there's definitely a, a process and a protocol that we kind of craft to, to help really make sure that we cover all the bases of this. And, um, you know, when you look at the next gig that I walked into, which was consulting in the Northeast, I didn't have any points of contacts. I said, okay, well, these were the kind of magazines that work. These were where our target demographic are hanging out. You know, how can I introduce myself to owners and say, hey, we want to collaborate with you. And, you know, really I found that it was just a simple introduction. Who am I? What am I doing? Basically giving my elevator pitch and saying, you know, we'd lo- we're your neighbors. We'd love to grow business together with you. So how, how can we make this happen? And that was really what set off a huge light bulb in my head about how effective guerrilla marketing was, especially in a time when, like I said, Facebook ads really weren't anything at, at that point. We, we, we knew they were there, but we didn't know how to use them. We didn't know how to target them. They were just kind of getting up and running as far as how to utilize and optimize a tool like that. Yeah. I, even now today, like, I mean, I just heard a guy talking about Facebook ads and he goes, somebody's asking him how to lower the price of Facebook ads. And they're talking about, Oh, should I, you know, get my relevancy score up higher. And he goes, you know, the lowest way, the way to lower the cost of Facebook ads is make sure that Facebook is not the only place you exist. Because if Facebook's the only place you exist, you have to pay for what is the, what do they say now? It takes like seven or 16 impressions before somebody recognizes you as a brand. Yep. And so what you're saying is if, if you're already seeing, you know, the name on the banner, (laughs) if you're already seeing the city officials taking down the banner on the side of the building and, uh, you're getting a postcard and you're, you know, hearing people talk about it. And you saw a guy in that t-shirt at the chamber of commerce meeting. And, you know, you heard a friend mention it. Now, when they see that Facebook ad, they'll respond. Right. But if all the energy is coming strictly from digital marketing, uh, it becomes the most expensive way to market. It, it certainly can. Yeah. I've seen cost per leads be as low as, you know, $2 back in the day. Not right now for our industry, it's anywhere between five and about $8 mm-hmm. for, for a solid lead cost, which is, I guess, pretty fair. Um, but I've also seen the Facebook ad not be optimized properly and be $190 for one lead. Which if you get is, any. <laughs> it, yeah. If you get any. And, and yeah. that's, re- that's really scary as well. Cause I mean, I know that I don't have to pay somebody $190 to go make a few impressions in the community. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, start giving out free sessions before that, man. Cause it's like, at least then they came in your building. So, well, uh, so you, you worked with title boxing and then, and then you uh, became a consultant and then, and then where'd you go from that? 
what the franchise you got involved with? Well, was it Red, yeah, uh, so, uh, Red Idea or something? It has some funny name. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> so this, uh, the individual who uh, was basically the area developer for the George, the entire state of Georgia contacts me and says, hey, I have the whole state of Georgia and I, I'm going to launch Orange Theory Fitness. And, you know, at that time it was, the question was, what, what is Orange Theory Fitness, right? I mean, we're talking late 2012, early 2013. Um, he started creating a buzz in the community at this time. He said, hey, I need you. I mean, I, we're going to be running these five studios and we're going to sell a bunch of franchises. And I said, I, I would love to join this. I didn't even really know what I was getting myself into <laughs> at the time, but I knew that something crazy was about to happen and it was going to be uh, changing the way that we perceive group fitness. And <laughs> it certainly has now 2018 <laughs> looking yeah, back. This is like, a, you're like a surfer sitting in like a, the flat water in Tahiti, right? And out, out in the ocean, you see this, what looks like a gigantic tsunami forming. And you're like, eh, should I ride this or not? Hmm. <laughs> and you decided to hop on. Yeah. L- luckily this wave was uh, not as violent at the end. It was a, it was a great wave to join. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And so, so um, I think you said there was at first just five studios, right? That you guys were running. Yeah. So, um, you know, the deal for us was um, we launched five of our own in Metro Atlanta. And then um, the uh, AD's responsibility at that time was to sell more franchises and help everybody launch in, you know, within brand standards. So um, we had, I believe we had 13 studios up and running within the first 16 months of operation total. Say that again, 13 studios in 16 months. Yeah. Yeah, the franchisees smoke. came out. They they executed really well. Um, we obviously uh, had a good grip on what we were doing at that point, and um, you know, it's just fully fully emerging yourself into the business and uh, making sure the brand makes a big splash all at once. Hell yeah! Wow, that <laughs> I would love to have a heart rate monitor on you during that time, man. You're probably <laughs> never leaving the orange zone, right? <laughs> yeah, really, no. Um, obviously, a, a tremendous amount of work to uh, to build a brand that quickly, yeah. and you know, luckily having a great team around you as well. But um, well, yeah, I, I would I say ask, I was burning yeah. calories uh, when I was in and outside of the studio nonstop. <laughs> yeah, can I can I ask you some questions about that? Because I mean, Orange Theory is probably the leader right now in the um, if you want to call it boutique studio group fitness. Uh, um, kind of space, right? I mean, I can't think of another brand that, that truly competes with them. There are other ones that are trying to do it, but none that are actually pulling it off. Yeah. I'd say that they were the first brand in this setting that made fitness accessible to everyone from an elite athlete all the way down to someone who's been extremely deconditioned, which is, which is absolutely amazing, you know, from a programming standpoint, customer service standpoint, and then just a brand recognition standpoint as well. Yeah. They mean, they do so many things right. Uh, man, there's so many questions I've got. But what, on, on these five that you opened up originally, what was the average size so that people kind of have an idea of like how big this was? Sure. Um, each studio was actually about 2,300 to about 3,100 square feet, depending okay. on the build out. So yeah. these were not huge operations by any means. So this is, for most people listening, I mean, in my area, most of the normal commercial spaces are usually in like 1,500 square foot blocks. And so that was basically two storefronts next to each other, right? Like in a normal strip mall shopping center. We're not talking about, like you said, we're not talking about an, an enormous space. No, not at all. Okay. And, and so in 25 to 3,100 square feet, uh, just so that I can 
you know, just so that I can bite my lip when you say it, what was your membership number expectation? What was considered a full membership in that space? Um, it, you know, it really depended on how the space was laid out, but um, it was not unrealistic to have eight, 900 members in that space and maybe even a thousand in some cases. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on. I, I need to wipe my brow. I'm sweating profusely here. So, because we talk about, you know, in, in this space, um, in this boutique gym space, and obviously the floor plan is way different, the, the training style is way different. Um, and that's one thing I love about Orange Series. They certainly maximize the goal of using every square foot as a revenue generator. Because you and I talked before this call about, you know, I installed showers at my gym. And showers have an ROI or revenue per square foot of like, mm, monthly, it's probably down in the one-tenth of a cent per square foot or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a money loser, you know. And in Orange Theory, if they could find a way to, to, to squeeze another square foot out of anything, they'd do it, right? Yeah, they definitely had a fantastic uh, architecture team laying these things out because, I mean, they, it, the space was optimized so well. Yeah, wow. That's incredible. So, so somewhere between five and 900 members in a, in a relatively small space, that, that's absolutely incredible. And, um, and so the people who never worked out there, in a typical space that you were seeing, how many people would be in one class? Yeah, so the, the average class size was actually 24 people. Okay. 24 people, one instructor, two instructors? Uh, one instructor on that format. Okay. And then one thing I know that they've done a really good job of is, is the follow-up and the, what, what would you say, the culture, the involvement of the person working out before, after, and even during the workout as a participant, right? So they're using the heart rate monitor, throwing it up there, okay. uh, up on the screen. So now we have a little level of competition going on that, like you said, every level of a person can compete with because- it, you know, if I'm at 90% or 85% of my max heart rate and I'm out of shape, I'm, that to me might feel like, you know, a lot of work. But if I'm in really good shape, getting above 85% is actually a lot of work as well, right? It, it kind of is like a self-regulating in that performance aspect. It certainly is. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. think, you know, uh, look, looking back at the programming, um, given that it was really one of the first uh, at that time to combine such a workout and then have it, um, you know, essentially correlated with the heart rate zone and then knowing the science behind it, it was, it was not only unique because it was a great offering, like I said, for everyone up to the elite athlete, but it gave somebody a, a different perspective on what they were achieving when they were in class. Yeah. And, and you can log it, you can keep it on a calendar over time. It's, it's uh, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's great for in the class, but let's talk about behind the scenes here. Cause I, I want to dig into that. Sure. So when you're launching five studios that nobody's ever heard of in an area that's never heard of Orange Theory. So you're in downtown Atlanta. I mean, pretty big. What, what's the Metro size there? Is it about 4 million people? Yeah. Growing crazily every day. Um, right. Definitely 4 million. Might, might be closer to 5 million now. Okay. So you got a good size city and you're launching a brand that nobody's ever heard of in an area that's pretty hopping and active. Mm -hmm. How the heck do you pull that off? I mean, how do you not open the doors to crickets? You know? Yeah. What, so, what'd you um, learn? <laughs> just give well, us everything, Chris, and we'll, we'll edit this in post if we need to. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the main things with bringing any brand to market for me is, um, one, it's about timing. So there's, there's got to be a runway of time that you can strategically 
embrace the community. So whether you're, you're running billboards or you're going to be seen in the community or you're going to be on TV and radio or you're going to do digital, you, you need a certain amount of time to make these impressions so that you can then become a recognized brand. So it's not like, oh, you know, build it and they will come. Because unfortunately, some other brands have, have oversold and rushed to market and it's not, it's not happening for them. So, um, you know, basically looking at a strategic timeline, looking at um, all of the activities, all of the key places where your target demographics are hanging out at, you need to embed yourself in that. And you need to become one with them. So, you know, if you think that people who are going to be interested in your concept are going to be at obstacle course races, well, maybe you should consider wearing your branded gear there and um, maybe have a wrapped vehicle as well and, and kind of and make a ruckus while you're there so people go, hey, what's that all about? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, go ahead, real quick, can we go back to that timeline thing? What, when you say a, a strategic timeline, what's the absolute minimum time you think that somebody should do this ramp up, should get the name out in the community before they actually open the doors? Yeah. So, um, you know, all brands have different standards. I'm actually looking at about a five month total plan from the moment that you sign your LOI through grand opening. So um, I'm I'm looking at about a five month runway now. Let me do that. So July 1, I'm going to start marketing for a gym that is going to open the first of the year. No, August 1st, I'm going to market for one that's going to open at the first of the year to get all those uh, New Year's resolution folks in, involved? Yeah. I mean, I'm wow. really going to, I'm really going to be working ahead of time to, to do that strategically. And um, not, not only to uh, make sure that I can get the right staff in place, um, have the amount of appropriate time to get the total amount of leads that I'm going to need that will ultimately convert. So when you talk to a marketing specialist, um, a lot of them will give you all these demographics about, oh, well, we can contact 2,000 leads, but that's, that's fine. But how many of those are actually going to convert to members in a pre-sale stage? And then how many of them are going to convert after the fact? I mean, those are the things that you have to consider. Wow. And, and so how many leads would you want? So if you're, shoot, in this uh, Orange Theory idea, if you got five, if you're, let's say your goal was 500 members, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you break that down into how many pre-sales you want? Is there like a percentage you want in pre-sales? And then from that, how many leads do you want for every one of those pre-sale memberships? Yeah, so I'll, I'll make it even simpler for you. If you know what your operating costs are going into month one, I'm not talking about build out or ongoing marketing. Just, you know, you mentioned when you, when you had enough members to cover your rent, how yeah. excited you were. Whatever your operating costs are, that's your target amount of members pre-sale. So you're saying basically you're going to open the doors and have enough money to pay uh, day one without borrowing any or putting any on credit cards. Exactly. Well, that violates every principle of small business, Chris. What the heck are you doing, man? (laughs) I got to risk everything I got. Leverage the house, baby. (laughs) Well, in in fitness, and uh, you know, fortunately, if you if you do it right, you don't have to do that. (laughs) There you go. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. 
Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. So let's just say that I got, uh, if you're talking 3,000 square feet out here, that'd be 250 a square foot. So what is that? 750. So I'm looking at 7,500 bucks a month times with labor. I'm going to say $15,000 in in cost month one. Mm -hmm. So then I'm going to try and sell $15,000 worth of pre-sale memberships. Certainly. Recurring okay. members, not packages, not, you know, not that one time. Oh, Chris, I'd kiss you on your cheek right now if you're next to me. <laughs> Listen, to, Say that last line again so everybody hears. Like, everybody wants to sell packages and one-on-ones and, oh, I didn't book the, next, the last person. I didn't book them up again. You got to sell that recurring membership stuff. Like, that's, everybody benefits there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, honestly, my, my business partner and I have these conversations every single week and it's so hard to hear because they'll say, Oh, we got 60 pre-sales. I say, Oh, that's great. And, and how many members are those? Cause I, I know that a lot of times there's not a clarification on that. Oh, I think about 10 members. I said, okay, so uh, where's your next 200 coming from? <laughs> You know, I mean, because I mean, what happens is when you sell these packages and anybody who's been in business for a little while knows the money goes so fast. I mean, you have a little bit of extra cash from the package sales, maybe month number two, and then you're reinvesting that into the business. You need to boost your marketing so that you continue to grow. You might need to bring on an extra staff person to handle all those extra package sales. And then what happens is you use all that money up. And then you don't have it the next month. You have to go back and get new money or try to renew those other people. And it's like, why, why are we building a business that's going to just stress us out like that when we don't have to? Yeah. And by the way, you're trying to go out and get those new members every month on top of servicing the ones that you currently have, on top of dealing with staff, on top of hiring new people, on top of you know setting up the next marketing strategic plan you're going to do three months out. Like mm-hmm. It's a wave that builds and builds and builds. So it it's a uh, it's compounding interest working against you in that sense, right? It certainly can be. Yeah. 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 And I, I say this quite often. I mean, pre-sales is a, it's a it's a whole science of its own, you know, and um, you know, it's it's a lot of hard work. It really is. But how much better will you feel if you are in the green because you went really hard before your doors were open than you will be when you're scrambling to make the money, you know, basically make ends meet. And uh, you still have to service and you still have to support others in that regard. Yeah. And if you can have all those pre-sales show up to a kick butt grand opening, uh, that is a, that is a true launch point, you know, but I, I've always been sad when you go to a grand opening and it's an opening, but it's not necessarily that grand because they yeah. haven't, you know, they haven't brought in that many customers and they're hoping that, that that single event is going to bring in the customers. That's a, that's a tough putt. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's really nothing better than opening your doors with a, a strong community base. And, you know, not only because of the cash benefits, but also because of the product as well. Um, you know, in the group fitness space, you, you look more credible when your classes are getting close to full. And honestly, the, the level of energy in a fitness facility is better when you have more people than less. When, when there's not a lot of people there and the music's on, it just feels dead to me. Yeah, dude, there's nothing worse than a big open gym with nobody in it. I mean, whether it's a Planet Fitness or anything, it's uh, it doesn't sell it, you know? It just doesn't sell that you want to be there. Well, uh, can you give us maybe like three practical tips before we, uh, you know, like as, as we go here to kind of tell people in that five-month lead up, what are 
you said go to the the places where your avatar is hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, figure out what you need to sell by just figuring out your first month's costs. Right? Mm-hmm. You got any any other couple little uh, tactical tips they can take away with them uh, to to nail that that lead up period before you even open? Yeah, um, I think there's two other main things, and you know, it's really about bringing any brand to market, right? Mm-hmm. So when I when I think about the efforts needed, I, I think about um, I think about the owners actually that tell me, no, Chris, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, wrap my car, and I say, wait a minute, you just you just cleaned out your 401k, and you're not gonna wrap your car because <laughs> maybe you're an aggressive driver, or you don't like the car that you have. That is a free billboard. So you know when when I think about things like that, it's so simple. You you see successful businesses all the time. Um, I'm here in North Atlanta, and there's roofing companies that have wrapped these gigantic F250s, and honestly, I'm just. I'm just amazed by how cool the, the logo and graphics are on some of these things. So I'm, I remember all these brands now. So these are, these are little things that, you know, I think making a splash in your community is all about um, coming to the table with branded tents, being in these strategic locations and, and making your brand fun. And, um, you know, ultimately with all of the brand awareness, the end goal is to get a turn a, a, a bystander or a drive-by person into a true interested lead or a potentially a member in our case. So um, you're, you're not going to do that by skipping out on all these steps. But once you get them to, to acknowledge your brand and you have a positive conversation, you give somebody a high five, a handshake, you invite them out, you tell them about your concept, you have a strong elevator pitch, and you back it up with some sort of an awesome offer that just makes sense for the right market, there's no reason why you shouldn't win. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and winning is getting to sleep at night the day the doors open, right? Like having some money coming in and, and knowing those things is, that's a, a huge win. Certainly is. Yeah. So, so uh, wow, you, you, you've done this so much. So when you would do this with Orange Theory, just going back to that, mm-hmm. um, you know, what kind of what kind of pre-sale numbers were you looking at or what how would you guys do that at such a huge scale i mean you guys are talking about so many people yeah so you know i think the strategy you know with a brand now like orange theory for example that's pretty well established i mean if if you're going to set up shop and in a new area and you're building out, let's say three of them at once, which I would actually highly recommend um, if you have the cash and the vision for your business that's translatable to a similar target demographic. And the reason why I say that is because you can now leverage a little bit of marketing spend from each location to make a bigger splash overall. So if they're all three miles away and you blanket and cross over all of those marketing efforts, you're going to notice that you're spending a little bit less money overall, but the amount of impact that it's going to have is going to be quite bigger. Um, and, well, I never and, thought about that. So it's actually better to do, if you can, it's more per unit. It's a little more affordable if you can do it all at once. Mm-hmm. Wow. Certainly. Yeah. And we look at this because also a lot of, a lot of the fitness business models they can be good. I mean, they, they can make a single owner some, some good money, you know, um, mm-hmm. but the amount of effort to staff a single location and, and launch a single location, it's, it's real. If you get a good staff in place and, you know, you, you are 
definitely looking at a business model where you have a strong manager and you have some front desk staff. This is not something that you're going to take on all on your own. So if that's not in the works or that's not like your style of doing business, then it probably wouldn't apply to you. But if you're somebody who goes, you know what, I, I do want to employ some awesome people to work for me. I want to have a strong manager who's going to be able to handle this end of the business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about that growth factor and knowing that you can put certain people in place to run your business as if you weren't there properly. Well, that's a real business, right? The, the saying is if, if you can leave and it grows, you have a real business. Until yeah. then, you just have a a bad paying job. Yeah. It's becoming more prevalent this day and age on that. And you know, the other, the the ultimate thing at the end of the day is, is when you look at your overall plan or strategy, when you get into any sort of space like this, where, you know, whether it be fitness or physical therapy um, or chiropractic work, you know, I I think building up a, a multiple location practice with an awesome awesome brand is, is one more attractive when you're trying to sell it later down the road, but you'll, you'll see that you really will benefit so much more if you have that vision from the get go. And additionally, you should have an exit plan before you even launch this thing, because if you don't have an exit plan or you don't see how you're going to be able to sell your business down the road, chances are you're going to be in this job because it'll be a job for a very, very long time. Yeah. And luckily you'll work a ton of hours early mornings, late nights, weekends, cleaning shifts, scrubbing toilets, and all the things uh, that occur when you don't plan well enough, you'll do all those for free on the side. (laughs) (laughs) One way or another. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nice. Well, uh, oh, by the way, uh, for those who are listening going, man, this guy really knows his stuff and I'd love to get a hold of him. How can people reach out to you? We're not ending it right here. I just want to make sure people have the info. Certainly. Um, You can find me online, uh, Facebook, Beaconship, B-E-A-K-I-N ship. And uh, we're also on Instagram and then beaconship.com as well. Uh, My email is chris at beaconship.com. So be really easy to find me. Perfect, man. Awesome. All right. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm like a dog with this orange theory launch, man. I'm not going to let go here. It's I'm, I'm going (laughs) to keep my teeth sunk in here. Uh, What was your best pre-launch sales in any location? Like, can you give us a number of, of members you guys were able to pre-sell uh, early on? I mean, because you're, you're talking about establishing a brand that really didn't exist at the time. And a lot of my clients are going to be in that same situation, right? Yep. But yeah, were you we, able to sell 50 memberships, 100? Uh, well, our, our best one in the market at that time was 400 actually. Pre-sold members. Hold on. I got to pick myself up off the ground. You're telling me you're saying you must mean 400 total members. 400 pre-sold members. <laughs> so you're saying you had 400 customers before the doors ever opened. Yes, sir. Oh my God. Oh man, that is, for those of you listening, uh, what Chris just said is uh, he, he, he was going 10 on 11 versus the New England Patriots and uh, he's playing quarterback. Defense is blitzing. He's, you know, in the ends, the corner of the end zone and throws a 99 year yard bomb to win the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> it's about equivalent of that. I mean, this is unbelievable that you're able to sell because most gyms won't ever sell, sell 400 total memberships. Right. You're right. Yeah. A lot, a lot of um, boutique studios and, you know, small to medium sized gyms. I'm talking about facilities, you know, under 8,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. They they really struggle to ever get to 400 members. A a lot of, you know, people who contact. Yeah. 
So is there something, I mean, you're saying make a splash in your community, but is there something that you notice that gets you over that hump of kind of the, oh yeah, I've kind of heard about you, but like to go, to get 400 memberships, that's a lot different than to get 40 memberships, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's a 10 times difference, but uh, in that pre-sold arena, is there, what helps you get over that hump? Um, cons- consistency in everything that you do. So, I mean, if, you, if you're going to commit to bringing your brand to the community, I mean, really commit to it. I mean, it was not, this isn't unique to Orange Theory. This also goes for other pre-sales that I've done with other brands. But, you know, a lot of owners say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with pre-sale. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with community marketing. I said, okay, cool. So, so what's your schedule going to be? I let them answer me that. They said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it from like 10 to 2 every day. So, well, I mean, honestly, I, I was out there from 7.30 a.m. till 9 o'clock at night five days a week and then Saturdays as well. And then I rotated every other Sunday with somebody else. And, you know, I don't expect everybody to have that time. And I also don't expect everybody to be able to do that. But I know that that's why we were able to achieve what we were able to achieve. It was relentless. And not only were we just out there, but we were strategic about where we were going to be, right? So it's, it's not just about, oh, I, I had a booth set up next to my shop. Well, maybe your shop isn't an A++ location that gets the foot traffic it needs. Hopefully it's pretty good, but maybe it's not. What are you going to do to change that? You got to be up on the street corner where there is 10,000 cars driving by in the morning. You know, you got to get into the health food shops that are related to where our target demographic might be at and making meaningful connections in the, in the community with an offer, a good elevator pitch, a good looking t-shirt, a good looking uniform on, a smile on your face, and then leveraging, you know, what your exact offer is and explaining what your brand is so that people are interested and you're not just hiding (laughs) around the corner from your shop. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I mean, you said so much in there that is just pure business gold, no matter what the business is, but just the fact of being ready to like shake a hand, smile. And when people say, what, what is it that you guys do? Cause I'm sure when you're standing there in front of an orange theory, those two words never went together right? And it's like, what, what are you talking, what an orange theory? What the hell is that? Is that an ice cream shop or something? Yep. Yep. That is so funny. My, my partner uh, and his group in Texas, uh, they were a little bit bigger of a group, but they launched 18 studios in uh, Texas. And uh, he, he always gives that example. He said, no one knew what orange theory was in Texas. And you got to think like orange theory started in Florida. So Georgia, Florida, not too far away, you know, people vacation, they, they might've heard about it one way or another, but Texas, I mean, that was like, no one, no one was relating to that. They weren't vacationing as much in Florida and coming home, you know, in that particular market. So when they brought it, brought it to town, I mean, it was a lot of education. So people who say, oh, well, you know, now look at it, now look at it. Well, back then, I mean, we had no brand awareness. It was about what we did on the street to bring it to market. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys pulled off a hell of a deal there, Chris. I mean, you should be commended. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this with everybody because uh, those of you listening, you know, the, the principles are the same. I mean, <laughs> the plan is the steps are known, right? Chris can help you line them up, but uh, they're also, it also is going to take a ton of elbow grease and, and you're going to wear the, sh- the heels off your shoes, right? Sure thing. You really are. Yeah. And this is something that, um, you know, we have, we have to actually help 
people get through in a lot of different ways, right? Because I, I think that people have an idea of, of opening up a, a fitness business or any business for that matter. And they say, oh man, this is a great idea. Like people are just going to come. They're just going to show up. I promise you, if you go into business with that mentality, they're not. Like they, they're, they're almost, the universe is going to pull them further away from you because you're just expecting something. You have to really make this happen in every regard. Yeah. It's there. It, that principle holds up in everything in life, right? Like if I just walk into a gym and I don't put forth the effort, I don't get the results that I want. Right. Oh no. You just like that. The same idea would be, no, you just walk into the gym and just stand around for an hour and you'll be in shape. That, that, that's not how it works. Right. Nope. The equipment's there. The, the ability is there. The plan is there, but you know, I have to actually sweat it out. So man, this is awesome, Chris. Well, uh, can you throw out the info again for people to reach out to you if they want to get a hold of you and, and launch, uh, what would you say, 16 locations in 13 months or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, our, our market had 13 and 16 months. Yep. Okay. Um, That's one every 37 days or something that you guys are opening the doors on. That's incredible. <laughs> It was pretty awesome. It was, it was fun. I'd love to do it again, to be honest. I'm waiting for the next big brand to come and contact me. <laughs> nice. Well, are you married uh, now, by the way? Do you have kids? What's the... Uh, nope. So, you know, fortunately for me, I'm, I'm able to, uh, to do these things with a, a little bit less responsibility on my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, when you said, I, I'd love to do it again, I was like, uh, hold on a second. Let me run that by your uh, significant other. And it's like, yeah, oh. no, no, I, I've definitely lost a couple of those because, <laughs> because of my uh, relentless work habits, but you know, Hey, yeah, they're like, this is the time to do it. I'm, I'm still I haven't seen young. you for nine weeks. You know? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, Hey, it's uh, it's part of the process in, in owning a business, uh, learning the ropes of being an entrepreneur and That's awesome. You know, yeah. hey, hope, hopefully uh, our significant others are, are always welcoming to our dreams, right? Yeah, and, and they will reap the rewards one day. Just make sure there are rewards for those of you listening. Uh, <laughs> do some pre-sales so there are rewards for them to reap later. There are <laughs> quite a few people uh, that have supported others and never never get the true reward for it. So that is make true. Sure it's there. That yeah, is well, true. can you throw out the uh, info for people to reach out to you again? Yep. You can uh, find us on Facebook or Instagram at Beaconship, B-E-A-K-I-N ship. And then uh, Beaconship.com is our website. And uh, you can email me as well, Chris at Beaconship.com. Fantastic. Well, Chris, this has been eye-opening, uh, amazing, impactful. And it's, um, you know, I'm a six foot four dude. And, 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 and when you talked about your pre-sale numbers, I felt like a, a tiny little guppy swimming in the ocean there, buddy. So <laughs> that entire emotional journey was awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I really do hope some of our people reach out to you because man, starting out with the bills paid and, and some money in the bank would be a great way to start their hybrid facility. So I do thank you for your time today. I agree. I look forward to hearing from them. All right, Chris. Well, on behalf of Chris Weber from Beaconship, this is Dr. Josh Satterley for Clinic Gym Radio saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Chris, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.